When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start with you, Aaron, because a bit of news broke last night is that Kieran McGinney's staying on for another year. I think two years ago, he got a two year extension with two year contract with a one year extension and apparently that's been triggered so I don't know what you take of that it's just one more year or I don't know what you read into it uh, to be honest I didn't expect any different on it um, I know obviously there would have been huge disappointment after the Monaghan game um, whenever we looked like we, we'd done enough to, to turn things around but um, yeah just given the we retained the Division 1 status um, and we were getting the opportunity to go at a, at a full campaign, hopefully all going well for next year. Um, I, I just assumed that Kieran would be the, the man that would stay at the helm for another year. Yeah, just but the, the fact that it's just one more year, like they could have given him another two years, you know, like, I mean, is it, do you think it's almost like, this is your last year, see what you can do? Um, to, to be fair, I'd say the relationship Kieran would have with the board as well, it's something that I don't think there'd be an issue with just sitting down to reassess again. Um, so he'll see what way he goes and um, I suppose his, his enthusiasm and his thirst for, for Armagh football um, goes without saying um, so I think he, he'd be very keen to, to get a good league campaign under his belt where he gets to test the boys against the teams we missed out on this year obviously Mayo coming back up with your Dublins carries those sides um, he's invested hugely into this group to get them to this level um, so I didn't think there was any way he was going to he was going to walk away and leave it at that and and not get a shot to test themselves against the top teams. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the improvement in the last couple of years is enough to give him another year, uh, Chair. Yeah, no, fully agree with it. I reading Kevin McStay uh, in the end of that over the last couple of days, and he was talking about, about Kildare's performance against Dublin the weekend. 
but he just talked about a mistake the Kildare County Board made in, in, in letting Kieran McGinney go. Uh, the amount of work he put in behind the scenes to just improve the all-round structures of the organisation uh, in order to build on those things. And then, because some of the results maybe weren't going his way, um, uh, the way the county board would have liked that they weren't uh, going to uh, keep him on. I think he maybe had five or six yeah. years there. He's six uh, years. He lost out on one vote. Lost it in one vote, was he? Yeah. And yeah. so, look at uh, we obviously know a couple of the Kildare guys from uh, geographically, and um, any of the guys I spoke to would have said the the, the, the improvement uh, from when McGinley started to when he finished. Uh, was unrecognisable in many ways and that was just a pity that he wasn't given another opportunity to to try to keep that going. So I suppose it comes down to a county board being re- realistic of the position that they are in, the starting points when a particular manager came in. But also you have to a county board has to be able to assess and look at what's propping up the senior football team. Like is the problem the coach or is the problem all the stuff that's come behind it? And the reality is from my brief experience now with say in Division 4 teams is that you could have Pep Guardiola in there with an, an Armagh a few years ago or a Cardo or a Wicklow but it doesn't really matter because there's so many other issues behind the scenes that need to be kind of solved and, and, and improved upon before you get to that point and so that's what Kieran's obviously done again in Armagh to, to, to get it back to the point where uh, Aaron's, Aaron's dad was there but I suppose the hope and expectation given the success of Armagh in 2002 is, is to try to get back up to that that point, but as we know, Ulster is a particular, uh, particularly difficult place to get out of. Yeah, know? it definitely is. It's a lot difficult. He's in his thirty-fifth consecutive year involved with inter-county, so he went straight from inter-county football, which is probably at since he was eighteen, into Kildare for six years, into Armagh for seven. I think he's gone into his eighth year. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's fair to say he owes Armagh nothing, Aaron. Yeah, um, I, I can vaguely remember. Dad was in as a coach where with. Paddy Moriarty in 89-90-91 and Geezer would have been still in the Abbey Grammar School in Neary at that stage. Dad would have actually had to collect him from home and myself and the older brother Stephen would have been sitting in the car on the journeys down there with him at that stage. So yeah, he's uh, he's still going strong at this stage. Jeez, yeah. That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Like, I mean, sure, your father and him, like captain and manager, like, I mean, you know, they were uh, obviously thick as thieves back then. Yeah, um, like that would have been the initial contact that, that dad would have had with him. Um, then obviously there would have been a fierce club rivalry that would have went on between Mullaban and Cross where um, I would say the relationships uh, with all parties at that stage <laughs> wouldn't have been great. But yeah, in fairness, then once they, they, they got into Armagh, um, it, uh, everyone obviously had the, had the one common goal and um, yeah, they, they managed but- to, to get the Holy Grail. Was Aaron out of interest? Was was that a challenge, say, for your dad when he when he uh, took over Armagh before winning? Was to get the best players from the best teams to come out and actually play for the county? Was there that kind of uh, interclub rivalry and, and and hatred that we kind of see and hear of in other counties? And probably Derry is the example where Rory Gallagher seems to be kind of getting things right there at the moment. No, I think in fairness, the best players would have all been making themselves available. But I would say hand on heart, um, I would have been young enough. I would have been 17, 18 around that time. So I don't know the ins and outs of it. But the rivalry would have been that strong and that was fierce. Like, um, there probably would have been a bit iron and out to be done uh, to get to get everyone on the right track. But I think in fairness to say management and players, they realise that they're on the cusp of something very special that 
their own agendas with their clubs had to be part um, for, for the greater good. And I think ultimately uh, that that happened. But definitely I would say it would have been something that, that would have had to be addressed. Just that maybe we bit of trust um, would have had to be gained on, on all parties um, at the beginning. But, well, the one day all Ireland in the first yeah. year, so um, they seem to have worked out fairly quickly. I, I think that was just maybe 80s, 90s, 70s football anyway, Jerry. because I, mm. I, I, I'll never forget going to Leash Club matches in the 90s and the county players would be beating the heads off each other. Yeah. And I remember thinking, we never did that with each other. I don't know what it was, but we, we never fought each other. I remember... I think it was only my first year, like, you know, I remember some lad from Strably was at me and I sprayed water in his face and Barney Mark came over and gave me a good dig now into the stomach, you know, knocked me. Yeah. That was the way, he was kind of like an enforcer and stuff, but I don't know what it was. I don't know, there, is there more respect amongst county players now, Ger, or does it still go on in Dublin club football? I know Connolly and Philly McMahon went at it, you get the odd one, yeah. but in general, county players don't tend to do that, do they, when they go back to club? Probably not as common as maybe what it once was, and and just even thinking, you know, when I started playing senior with the club around two thousand three, I remember my dad and and so was his, his brother, my uncle Fran, would have been saying that, be sure that you tear into the established Dublin players when you're playing against them, right, to make yourself known. So that's what I used to do. But, really, but then and well, I always maintained that till I finished playing with. Uh, Saint Vincent. You made a good and, uh, career that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> when, when that bit of boy goes out, yeah, then that's that was my time to go. When you didn't, when it wasn't in you'd like anymore. to tear into the big name. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what you had to do to to to, to try to establish yourself, you know. But uh, never nothing dirty or anything. But like, yeah, just, yeah. you know, uh, leave 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 something on them, you know. But you'd always find that though, Aaron. Like you're playing a for you a McKenna Cup game or for us in a Burn Cup game and like a good player comes over on you and it gives you that extra boost whereas yeah. a fella you don't recognise you're like ah Jesus and now this lad's going to be full of running trying yeah. to improve himself and you're, you're having this conversation with yourself <laughs> Yeah like I think that's the, the one thing I suppose that separates maybe your, your top players from the rest is that they always just have that that their sense of pride that whether it's a, a challenge game of a Tuesday night summer or whether it's a championship game yeah. you have your own reputation that you want to uphold or, or personally speaking now is I never had any issues getting up to play for a challenge game, um, let alone championship. Because oh, Jesus, I did. No, I always felt that you're always getting some man like you said was going to come over and he mm. he was going to show you who was boss that was night so that night. So it, I just always found that yeah, just had, you had to be on your game. Um, McConville would have been great for us. Like if we were opening up a pitch in the back end of nowhere, he would have wanted to be top scorer, the main man, and I think that just sort of maybe filtered through to, to a lot of us who were coming in name after him. Aaron, I don't know if you remember playing St. Vincent's in a, in a challenge game around, I'd say, 2006 or that. And, it was uh, February 2006. It cost us in All-Ireland in 2007. Oh, Jesus, yeah. fill us in here. This sounds, uh, this the, sounds the, interesting. It was a February, yeah. Well, the lads were still, yeah. they were going for their whatever number of uh, Club All-Irelands and we had lost the previous county final against UCD by a point in 2006. So Mickey Whelan was getting us decent challenges, but the lads came down to Vincent's and absolutely walloped us. And uh, we were 15, probably 20 points. But it was a great uh, eye opener for, for us as to where we needed to get to because we would have had great respect for the lads. And we were able to turn the lads then in the All Ireland semi final to go to 12 months later, I suppose, in, uh, in, uh, in Park College. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in, in Navin. But but we played Vincent's and, and, and across played each other a good few times over the years in fairness Aaron up, up, we used to go up there a good bit and 
take them down now they were they were always kind of tough old games you know so yeah no I'm sure they were Jeez, well, Patrice, used to be dreadful uh, used to be dreadful for challenge games we never used to get hammered by all sorts of teams we'd get <laughs> absolutely in the dressing room after have you no pride in the club that you yeah. go out there and you know it, like instead of going like you know we're Port Leash we're representing them in a challenge match in Kildare and you've yeah. destroying us <laughs> yeah yeah just couldn't get up for it but anyways lads we need to, we need to move on here we yeah. can talk all day about this um, what, what do you make of the goalkeeping situation Aaron I'll start with you we talked about this on Monday um, do you see this tactic here to stay? Do you think it makes sense? What What was your take on it? Um, I'm sitting back looking and I think obviously the two boys are, are top class goalkeepers. They're very comfortable coming out. But my take on it was one man was just losing the run of himself in a, in a copycat situation with the other man. Um, it, it, for me, <laughs> it, it got out of control. Uh, if, if I was in the defence and I seen that going on, it was chaos. It was Maybe it wasn't, but to me it looked like chaos. Uh, like seeing Begin coming back and right the tackle was unbelievable to win it back. And I actually think if Munnan had went up the field and scored after that inception, um, I actually think they would have went on to win the game because it would have given them such a lift. But had that ball went into the back of net or Matty Donny even just tapped it over the bar, it just makes the keeper look very foolish. And likewise, Neil Morgan, whenever I've seen him pushing to left corner forward, the fordest man in the field and he's heading <laughs> up there. I could just see his jersey coming into the bottom of the screen and I said, what is going on here? Like, uh, like I would, you wouldn't even run from half back to half forward in that situation. You, you'd just try and get someone who's beside you to push out of lane. So the context of how that actually happened, I have no idea. Um, yeah. and, and for me, I, I would think that it would be pure pandemonium if you were trying to organize to get it all the opposition forwards picked up to make sure somebody's in nets. Um, th- th- I can get a bit of it where, you know, they can link a bit of play and they can come out and read the ball and, and play as a sweeper. Like, But to, to be going to the extent where they're going up, man, man or pushing up and kickers that are in the field, taking shots, um, I think it's just maybe taking it a, a step too far, to be honest with you. Colin Kavanagh was talking on Monday. He was kind of, he didn't see as much fault with it. He says he understands the logic of it. But we, my point is, we all understand the logic of it. The logic is very clear. They're covering off a space. But the point is, are they the right man to do that? And there. I would say they're not. And you, you, look, there's a risk-reward decision-making process that kind of happens in your head in games. And... Yo, Aaron touched on it there. The, for me, one of the only times I would be comfortable with a keeper coming out is if you were chasing the opposition kick out and you wanted to maybe push forward into your half forward line or forward into their full their full back line and try to turn them over and the keeper might step out into the full forward and yeah. push up a line. And I know you touched on it as well on the Monday show. Like that for me makes sense. But I think the other thing you mentioned on the show as well was was a. The, the egos uh, in play with with with, with uh, Morgan in particular and uh, both fellas trying to outdo each other. But like, there's a couple of examples where Rory Began was 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 trying to come off the shoulder on the opposition's 45 meter line, and he was getting in the way of an outfield player. And while, as Arden mentioned, sometimes you need your keeper to link up the play, or the ball might have to come back if you need to switch the wing if the opposition get a high press, and that's fine. But 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 generally speaking. A defender is a defender because he's not great at scoring and a forward is a forward because he's pretty good in front of the sticks but he's not a wonderful tackler. So as a defender, if I get up into the opposition part of the field, if it's in my range, I'll pop it over but if there's a Kieran McManus beside me, I'm going to give it to him. Conor McManus. Uh, sorry, Conor McManus. Lots Kieran of people McManus. Making this, offer, yeah. Including <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But so so it's it, it's uh, and even Megan had a shot as well, and it's it, it, for me it's too speculative, and um, yeah, I think they actually just get in the way and they, and they fill up holes where they shouldn't be pushing up on the opposition kick out. I can see the merit in that, but pushing up all the way to the right corner back position, a right wing back position rather. I, I um, it's it's too risky. Like yeah. is a is a Rene Higuita from from Colombia oh, coming yeah. out. If you Google a few of his clips, someone <laughs> name coming out. The scorpion, the scorpion, scorpion kick. Yeah, kick yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, Aaron. So say you're playing for Armagh, you're an attacking half back. You're a well known ha- attacking half back, and you're playing against Tyrone, who have Philip Jordan, who's a well known attacking half back. It might be in your Philip Jordan runs up the field, scores a point or two. It might be in your head there. You go here, Jesus. You know, you know, I must get up and get one. You know, like do you think? this turned into uh, the goalkeepers lost their minds trying to outdo each other do you think this can happen in an Ulster final like I mean are, like, do you think it's possible that the management were okay with what was going on there I find it hard to believe management would have said this is normal behaviour not to that extent um, I, I, I've like I said pushing up and kickouts to your own 45 linking a bit of play seeing a long ball being delivered from midfield into your full back lane yes come off mm. your lane you know, as a, as a sweeper uh, to intercept and then let the ball on again. But, you know, I, I'd be stunned if both management teams okayed what was going to go on and the extent that it went on the other day. And I, I would just say the two boys literally just got caught up in the whole emotion of it. I, I don't know how many times, you know, you, you do a good block or you fetch a good ball or something, the next thing you're, you're away flying like the <laughs> hammers because you're all yeah. caught up in the motion of things. Like our yeah. James Sullivan catches a puck out and drives it up there in the field. I think the boys just literally got caught up in, in, in the whole emotion of the thing. But to me, it was sometimes what I was trying to look at was what's going on in the background whenever Monaghan was attacking and Morgan was on his way back. And it just looked a bit chaotic. Who was trying to get back in the nets? Who was trying to make sure everyone was picked up? And we still had a spare man that was going to win the goals. Um, so for me, uh, the risk and reward and in, in going that extreme, uh, it, it, there's no need for it. Push up, if you're going, like, I just noticed Shane Rand the week before. The, the reason for pushing up, in my opinion, is you have no short kickouts and try and force it long. Shane Rand and Kerry was pushing up the left half back, but as soon as the core keeper kicked it long, as the ball was literally leaving his boot, he was turning and sprinting straight back into his net. Yeah. Um, so I can see that and I have no problem with yeah. that, but. Um, the, the weekend maybe just took it to, to a new level. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And Maddie Donnelly, interestingly enough, I thought Maddie didn't see Began. Maddie actually saw Began, but he says, I didn't pay Began's pace the respect it deserves. It was a great tackle. Yeah. Like, you know, he should have shipped that on. He just, yeah. he knew Began was there. He's just like, he's not catching me. I've got, you know, yeah. but he, he came out of nowhere, I suppose, and it was a great tackle. I would love to see a goal scored there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. One long kick out and your goalkeeper's completely out. It would have at least we would have seen the end of that kind of thing. But I want to move on from that, lads, because uh, Martin Bretney has a stat in the Independent today. And he says, of all the passes made in the Leinster final, 308 went backwards. Yeah. Now, isn't that an incredible stat? So he says there was one point in the game where Dublin held possession for three minutes and 10 seconds. Um, in, in, and they passed it to each other 40 times in that three minutes and 10 seconds. 27 by hand, 13 by foot. Of the 40 passes... 22 of them were sent backwards like it just gives you a, a, a kind of insight into the you know the dull nature it was like a throwback to four years ago playing around the outside really boring Kildare being like my point here is Dublin aren't for fault for this this is Kildare's fault in in the year 2021 to come to Dub- come to Croke Park with tactics like that knowing this is how Dublin reacted to them 
I think the message needs to go out to, to other teams and go, this is not a spectacle. You're going to lose. I understand it for a Division 3 or 4 team. It makes sense, you know. Yeah. But for Clare Division 1 next year, they, they should be above that now. Yeah, it was it was an absolutely brutal game to watch. Um, Dublin obviously did what they had to do. Um, I'd say the Dublin fellas waking up on Monday and even the Kildare fellas waking up on Monday, I doubt their bodies were sore. You know, there's so little decent contact or high intensity uh, to the whole match that it was it was just like a little kick around in the park. Uh, and you knew the bigger fella was going to uh, score at some stage, but sure, we'll just have a bit of crack here. But I, I, I thought Kildare were... were they lacked any sort of uh, adventure uh, when they did manage to win the ball back. There's numerous times where Kildare managed to win ball in their own uh, 45-yard line and there could be four or five Kildare fellas in that little area of the pitch, if you want to imagine it, 30 by 30 metre kind of segment of Crow Park and four or five of them would end up passing the ball to each other and the ball was still in the one area and none of them had decided to break the line or to get ahead of the ball to kind of create boxes of space on the odd occasion they did it, but they just didn't do it, do it enough. Um, like, Kildare are fit, you know, they're athletic, but they just really didn't have a go. And psychologically, Dublin were probably six or seven points up before any ball was even thrown in. And, and that's and that's what we see with the final score. But but it was a, a game to forget, in my view. Now. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. But Dublin are boring. They go into full boring mode, Aaron. And it's hard to blame them because they know they'll win doing this. They're not, you know, they, they know they will definitely win by doing this. They had 12 shots in the second half. We had this stat on Monday and they scored 11 points. They go full boring mode. They'll get through you. You won't touch the ball. You'll get really tired chasing yeah. around. And you'll have no forwards up the other end of the field. So, Aaron, you might explain to me why a team like Kildare would go up to Croke Park and think that's going to going to work. I'm just sort of thinking that uh, again, if they were brutally honest within their management setup or within the group themselves, I think the personnel that they lost, um, I think, would have been a huge blow to them. And, and Paul Cribben, yeah. Kevin Feely, Owen Doyle experienced players, absolute quality players, but sort of their leaders. And I think with the best will in the world, they might have been saying otherwise, but I don't think deep down that they felt that they had the capability of going up and beating Dublin by going man to man and having an absolute cut off them. And I think if if they're not reflecting this week and disappointed that they didn't, well, then there's something badly wrong because Dublin have been flat. They haven't haven't been the same side um, so far this year. There was opportunities uh, where if they had been more direct, they had had more support around the likes of Dan- Daniel Flynn, Jimmy Halen, that they could have got uh, they could have got more joy out of it. But for me, it, it was in the psychology, maybe in the lead up to it, um, that it left them in the position that they were in, that they never really, really believed that they were going to do it. But you, you, you can you can you can find the balance between being ultra defensive right to, 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 to limit the amount of scoring opportunities Dublin get but 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 Claire weren't able to to, to, to to again find that middle zone of yeah we'll drop a, a couple of bodies back but yeah. we don't want everyone coming back and let's keep a few fellas up there yeah uh, you don't have to go man to man you can yeah you, you can, can give some balance to you it. can give yeah. some balance to it some and, better balance and, to yeah it. And, and a more uh, zonal approach maybe to to their defensive setup might have proved more fr- uh, fruitful because it can give guys keep fellas with an extra bit of juice in the leg to actually get back up the pitch then you know but 
But it just looked like every time a Galera guy got the ball back in their own part of the pitch, it was like, oh, job's done now, I lay it off to you and you're giving it back to me and I'm giving it to him. And no one's deciding to actually have a go and, and, and bar the, the, the couple of guys Aaron mentioned uh, individual bits of brilliance. You know, there was there was no obvious style of, of, of attack play. Yeah, uh, it did look Caldera, like you know? they, they, were going to keep, they were trying to keep the score down and look, in the Caldera's defence, they were always going to lose that game. They've now been promoted to Division 1. They've made a Leinster final. They haven't been disgraced. They were never going to win it. So but is that what they're thinking? Let's build on that now for next year. I would, not I would rather go out and lose by 8 to 12 points having a cut and leaving it out there as opposed to... What about like, 20? What did, well, what did they <laughs> What did they learn? Like, I, I don't know what they learned. Well, they don't learn, no. I'm the only they thinking li- that yeah. they've got a positive kind of thing to work on for next year, maybe. That's the kind of yeah, thing no, I'm and, thinking and of. That's, and that's what Jack O'Connor uh, will, will obviously do to sum up their, uh, their, their season. They obviously have... Uh, it is a successful season when you look at it at the bigger context. But as players, you know, it's the last game that sticks in your mind and the opportunity to go out and kind of correct and work on some of the things... Uh, um, is is what motivates a lot of guys. Where the manager obviously has to set the narrative for his own his own self too. That's, yeah. I'm I'm doing a good job here, you know. Yeah. Um, but for me, the Clare players, the, the, there was just no am no, there was just not enough ambition, yeah. you know. And even Colin Kavanagh said on Monday, even Days Tyrone stood in there waiting for you know counter attack, and they weren't getting mm. the counter attacks. He's talked about looking at himself the next day and said, "Did we really? Did we really? You know." Did we go for that yesterday? Yeah. You know, you don't even feel yeah. right about yourself yeah. as a competitor to yeah. your whole game plan. This is what I always, con- you know, critical of the counter-attack style is that your whole game plan is based around the opposition being a bit stupid and giving you the, the turnovers that you your game plan needs. When yeah. if they don't give them to you, you don't really have an attacking uh, game plan at all. You just have basically, let's wait. <laughs> let's yeah. wait. That's why a lot of those defensive teams look a bit silly when they go down in a game, well, you know? Well, well, the, the, the second half me performance was something that Kildare should have taken lessons from and look to you know apply that as best as they can and even break it up into the four quarters for the first quarter or even the second quarter we'll, we'll, we'll go at them for the first quarter we'll just contain things everyone try and get your hand in the ball get comfortable and then second quarter after the water break let's have a good cut here yeah. it's only 15-20 minutes we get a breather half time and then we'll reassess where we're at then you know yeah no exactly Darren McCurry has been talking about improving his fielding and I thought this was a good one um, Aaron so he says I've been watching my game back especially last year and I needed a bit of work on the high balls now he's proved against Cavan um, and in the games after that especially against Cavan he caught two brilliant ones over over his head mm. um, that this is definitely looks like something that he's improving at or maybe they're just kicking it into him and he could always do this and we never really saw it because he would have been getting more hand passes or like uh, shorter balls he says, so in the, la- in the last three or four weeks, that's what I've been working on. So he went, <laughs> I think this is a little bit extreme. So he used to, <laughs> you got Brian Kennedy, who's six foot seven, to go inside with him. And he had lads kicking him in the ball, Aaron. Now, like, I mean, when is he ever going to mark a six foot seven cornerback? And how is he going to catch over Brian Kennedy? There are two things. I, I really appreciate that he's focusing in on something that he has to improve on. Um just a corner back will do, though. Um, <laughs> I, I would have done. Brian Kennedy, he, he practices with. Yeah, you have to admire his willingness to improve, but pick your battles. Um, but you yeah, won't improve until uh, you won't improve unless you actually catch one. Yeah, exactly. And and to be fair, if Brian Kennedy's coming in and he wants to spoil or he wants to fetch the ball, there's only one winner in them. But 
the fact that he's thinking that way, um, if you're a manager, you're saying, right, well, there's a man who's trying to see how can he improve? Yeah. What can he offer different to us uh, that maybe he hadn't done previously? But I think what stands out more for me is why would you practice if you didn't know the ball was coming in? Um, exactly. So it's obviously something that's been talked about within their group. This is the changes that we're going to make. This is what we're going after. And he said to himself, right, this is an area that I need to get better at. I need to improve on because I want to stay on this team um, or I want to get on this team if that was a few months ago. And I think all you have to do is look at his performances in the championship so far um, and, and look at whether it's still what is traditional was coming on the loop, putting the ball over the bar or being able to win his own possession. Um, he, he's been super so far. So for me, it would be more why did he want to, to improve on this um, and, and that's the positive from a throne perspective it's obviously something that they're really trying to work on and, and to be fair it's obvious that they are yeah, big time like I mean if you um, and Niall Carew are after Carlo training some night and you see your corner forward practicing with the midfielder to improve his fielding you're, two of you are going to be going Jesus what a, what a man well it's, great, well it's great to see a player take initiative and, and, and seek to improve on something and then as a coach maybe you can come in or with your bit of experience and say look I see what you're doing there fair play maybe try it like this and in the McCurry instance I've been nearly getting them to say well let's get two fellas to mark you one guy mark you other guy sweep you and, and, and try to with your lateral runs create a pocket of space and then someone with the liberty yeah, yeah. that's probably more realistic he could have him. improved his little drill yeah yeah well that's <laughs> opposed to what Brian like, Kennedy what were you like at fielding Jeez, I have to say, I was dreadful. Yeah. I had no radar. Like, I could run under it. I could run, you know, to the side of it. And I remember being out in midfield a couple of times. You know when the goalie's kicking it out? Even if it was yeah. just in a warm-up, I'd go with the goalie. And I had no radar to see where it's landing. And the, the admiration I have, and that's me on my own. And the odd one I might catch then, I'd catch it up so high that the, the power of the ball, I'd, l- I'd end up landing on my back. It would actually <laughs> knock me over. I, I was just all, all over the place. I remember Conor Callaghan scored the goal against Kerry in the league in Thurless and I remember Paul Murphy being all over the place and yeah. I totally related to him not really knowing where this is landing yeah. and then other players have a lovely pitch of where you know because midfielders not only have to get the pitch of it they have to get to that pitch of it before someone else who's on their back who's going to punch it off them yeah. it's an amazing skill it's definitely an amazing skill it is a bit of an innate talent that fellas have to be able to like you say read the pitch and then to be able to deal with the physicality of someone pushing and shoving you and, and going for the ball so to start um, off with yeah. to, to start off with like as a as a as a as a half as a centre back you were you were um, not overly encouraged to go for the, the kick out in case it goes over your head and there's a big hole there as a wing back probably a different story for Aaron you can you can you can go and compete because if it is lost it's still out it's still out on the um, on the wing so a lot of the time I was told just to spoil it don't let your man catch it, break it down. Uh, and then on our own kickouts, you're looking for the quick ones or get in. Get so in you never need it. Get in on the break. So so it was a skill that I didn't necessarily have to uh, develop. That example of Paul Murphy then, from a full-backs point of view, uh, I, I remember that goal. Paul, the question I would ask him after that is, if that ball was kicked in and you're only just part of the warm or practicing high fielding at the end of the training session, um, and there's no one on you, would you have caught that ball? And the answer is, yeah, I probably would have caught it and you would have dealt with the flight of the ball better. So uh, Paul Murphy became so engrossed with Conor Callaghan's movements uh, that he forgot himself where you have to find a little balance as a full-back. 
and uh, and that's where Paul Murphy uh, lost out on that particular occasion. Yeah. Know? Well, maybe that's getting obsessed with the man, Aaron. Number one, what were you like at fetching? And number two, one a great bit of advice Stevie McDonald gave us here on the show was <coughs> that people freeze up when they want to kick a pint because you have to put it between the two goalposts. And he said, picture a man standing on the black spot on the on the post and pass it to him <laughs> and that psychology of kicking a point will be gone out of your head I yeah. thought it was a great a great kind of thing because you, you'd, you'd hit a man with a pass why can't you kick a point yeah. absolutely um, but to make you feel good if you were bad fetching around the midfield I was 10 times worse <laughs> uh, to, you to couldn't be fair, I, I, I was <laughs> I, I just same thing I couldn't get to the my time and my getting to the flight of it uh, reading it where it was going to you know, be at its highest point or where it was going to drop, I just was poor. But to be fair, I'd put a lot of that down to playing my whole life with Paul Herty and Nets, and the ball was going 40, 50 metres over my head, and I was just coming out for a break ball or, or running on to loose play. So to be fair, I just, I never, there was no such thing as short kickouts or you were never an option for it. Um, and if one did manage to come along from the other side, you were really just trained, as Jared said, spoil, uh, get it broke down. But midfielders never wanted you coming to jump with them. They always wanted you to be in the ground to, to pick up the, the break ball. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a skill that I ever worked on uh, and it wasn't one that I would even call a skill that I had. Yeah, because yeah. even sometimes you'd be out around the midfielders, the really good fetching midfielders, and they'd be wrestling for it and they'd sprint and hit the pitch of it and you almost feel like you're in a land of giants and you're out of your depth on the yeah. field. That you're like, I am nowhere near. This is an amazing kind of battle they're having that I know nothing I know nothing about, you know? Like, I mean, it's and just on, on with me, like, I was really good catcher. Of, like, it always stuck to me. Like, I yeah. was... But, and even anything at head high, I can catch it. But once you put that over, start going over my head, I don't know, I can't. Yeah. Or maybe it's kind of a dropping, kind of the pitch of the dropping ball rather than one that's shot at you. you. You just have to have a bit of a skill for it. You probably have to have probably the, the height to be put in that position from a young age, as, yeah. as uh, tends to happen with uh, uh, kids. And then the more you're in that uh, part of the field, the better fellas will continue to improve. But if you, if you watch some of the... Re- and, Obviously, Brian Mullins from Dublin, uh, seen a couple of Brian's clips over the years, but uh, it's like the best midfielders out there. It's like an internal clock that they have that they know how long the opposition, and in particular their own ke- uh, keeper, uh, how long the ball will be in the air for. So they know how long they have to nearly wrestle with their opponents, and then they make a quick bit of a dart to to, to get the half an inch or half a foot. Uh, ahead of them, and it's just it's just a pure timing thing. Yeah. And and the introduction of the mark for midfields is, uh, I, I think, has uh, uh, reinvigorated uh, that art of, of of actually high feeling and uh, uh, balls being kicked uh, far longer from uh, from kickouts. You know, yeah. which is a good thing, I think. No, it, it definitely is. So Darren McCurry says the reason he's doing all this anyway is to be able to win your own ball is massive. Um, and it ended up winning us the game at the end. And you know, he was talking about uh, one of his uh, catches. But then Mickey Hart was on the BBC at halftime, right? And, you know, him and Ushin had a bit of a, uh, you know, a disagreement or a debate again, which is fantastic stuff. Mickey Hart says, I don't believe a man should have to win his own ball. When it's yours, you have it. Why should you have to win it? Like, is that a very bit of a depressing statement here, Aaron? That, like, I mean, Mickey Hart just does not want, he just doesn't want any contest in the game at all. He doesn't, like, it has to be possession. You have to keep possession. Why would you even entertain giving it to a lad who might have to win it under pressure and there's even half a chance that we might lose it? Like, I mean, Mickey's really stuck in. I, Mickey's finding it hard to come out of the way football went. Uh, 
to be fair, I watched that there, and the man, his record speaks for himself. But if you're an if you're an inter county forward, and you can't win your own ball in a difficult situation, go back to your club because you're not a county footballer. Yeah. Every ball can't be perfect. There's times where you're gonna have to fight for possession, whether it's low at your ankles, whether there's a man right beside you, a sticky man marker. Um, Stephen McDonald, you know, perfected it using his body, you know, to to shape an angle for himself for a ball to be delivered. But for Mickey to say that nobody should ever have to win their own ball in a competitive sport, I couldn't believe it. Um, Owen Mulligan fetching the ball, wrestling with Paul Galvin uh, after a long delivery for Philip Jordan, you know, has the the wherewithal then to lay it off the can and to roll it into the net. You know, is that not somebody winning their own ball? There's risk in the pass that went in. And then he secures the ball, shields Galvin away to open up the space for Canavan to put it into the back of the net. So is Mickey trying to say that that pass shouldn't have went in? He shouldn't have had to win that ball. I think he is. You know, mm. I think that's what he is saying. That's, that's, that, that's not Gaelic football. No. You know, every pass can't be perfect. And the difference between your top inter-county players and your club footballers are that they can win it anywhere. They can win it under pressure. They can win it in space. They can win it in the air. They can take you off either foot. That's the difference between club and county footballers. And I think if you're going into county football and you turn around to your manager and say, I don't have to win my own ball. I want it on a plate. You're in the wrong game. Yeah, He's been brainwashed yeah. by the possession-based football, clearly with that statement, you know, yeah. because and winning your own ball is, is a very, very obvious advantage to any forward. It always has been. If you have players that can win their own ball, isn't that brilliant? No, it is brilliant. And and because um, I, I, I'm just thinking uh, Aaron Carlo played loud in, in the Division 4 promotion and, and nearly all of Loud's kickouts went long, um, uh, contested, and uh, which was kind of counter uh, which goes against rather what, what uh, Mickey was saying the weekend but I don't know because was, was he, is he steering things up Mickey to, for the crack because I, 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 I had listened to the previous uh, little uh, spot that himself and Ushin had uh, the previous week as well I don't know is he, is he just knocking a bit of crack out of the BBC or, or uh, yeah. it seems like a silly I, I, comment I, 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 for a man I, I, of his experience like, yeah. you know I think what he's trying to say is you should always play the ball to the advantage that your man wins it yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah. But this, this, this isn't an ideal world. Like, no. Yeah. Just not every pass. Like if if I'm under pressure out the field, like the best will in the world, every ball I get, I want to play it to the outside of my forward. Yeah. You know, to give him a, a half turn and let him go. It doesn't work. Like that happens if I'm being tackled. You know, and I need to get the ball in there. Like it. To me, it just was it was a very, very surprising message to come out for someone so experienced and so successful in the managerial game. I, I thought maybe he was just trying to prove a point, uh, you know, in terms yeah. of what his philosophy has been over this past 10 years. But the team that he won three All-Irelands with, them boys get all win their ball. Your yeah. Mulligans, O'Neills, Canavans, Brian McGuigan. Like Brian McGuigan was a genius at, at, at winning his own ball. Um, Brian Duhar, all these boys could all do it. So... Um, yeah, just a very, very surprising comment. It is. It, it, it is a surprising one. And like even with the, the perfect ball, we all know those balls where you break and you want it on the outside. Mm. And like the, the wing back wants to give it. He's not stupid. And that's where you have the yard. But he gives it kind of back into the middle of the two of you. And now there's a coming together and you might not win it. And you look back at him and he usually put his hand up and say, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I, you know, that's my yeah. fault without, yeah. you know, whatever. But like, I mean, you have to be able 
to be, to be able to win those balls. Like Michael Murphy would probably win that, whereas I might yeah. have been thrown off. You know what I mean? But it depends on the play. It, it definitely depends on the player. To, to, yeah. Tony McEntee had a great statement for us <clears throat> whenever he was coaching us. And obviously we were trying to play a kicking game. And he said, if you're an inside forward and you can't win your own ball, you're a cornerback because all <laughs> you're doing is breaking the ball away. Get back up there. So he put real <laughs> emphasis on your inside forwards. If you can't win that, away and play a cornerback, will you? Because you're no addition to me. Yeah, so yeah. you had to win your own ball. And that was the gaunt. You know, we had to give them good ball, but those boys had to win it, uh, even if it was a difficult situation. But, but there's nothing like more, just, just, there's nothing more annoying than kicking in a ball and it and it, it not sticking. It coming back out to you and now you're defending all over again because I've done it again. If a fella does it twice in a row, I'd be looking over to the line and go, here, come on. Like, yeah. I mean, what do you want from us here? Like, that has to stick. It's it, it's demoralising, you yeah. know, because you're getting up there and getting good ball. And if it's not sticking, it's a huge, huge kind of, you know, um, I don't know, it, it, it kind of takes the wind out of your sails. No, no, it does. The momentum can shift fairly quickly if you've worked hard to get the ball up there and, and, and uh, you're playing in a, even a 60-40 ball in favour of your forward and he's not getting next to near it. You know, it can become f- quite frustrating, but... Like in, in an ideal world, as as you've described, you're you're trying to kind of play uh, to the advantage of the forward, to either side that he, he can come onto it. But then you mentioned it there, Woolley as well. The, the man in possession needs to recognise who who is he kicking it to, and if this guy isn't known for for for, for winning a fifty fifty or forty sixty, well then you just got to keep possession and uh, recycle it. But if you have a a better fielder in there, um, a stronger man, well then. Yeah, this guy's going to get a hand on it. We can, we can, we can let it into him, like you know. Yeah, we used to do that with Owen O'Gara when Owen would probably come in more often than not. Um, we knew he was always going to get a hand in something, and and everyone knew that. And uh, an awful lot came off it. Not awful lot didn't come off it, but but you were happy kicking into him. You well, know? that's it. Well, you, that, it takes the pressure off the field when you, he's on another level of ball winning. You know, yeah. like I mean, he he takes the pressure off people out the field because it doesn't have to be the perfect pass. And yeah. he could probably turn a forty sixty into. You know, make you look good. Yeah, by bulldozing bulldozing through some. Here, come here. Alan Brogan was talking about the what ifs here. Um, Any more what ifs? You were obviously in with the so Pat Gilroy started this, but he didn't start it at the same level. Jim Gavin took it to new army levels. Yeah, where Pat Pat Gilroy was talking about what if someone gets sent off? You know, whatever. Jim Gavin moved it on to what if the bus breaks down? What if you know, like almost like you know, a pilot in the army. Nothing here. Yeah. He's going to surprise us on Sunday. Is that kind of how it had it evolved? Yeah, uh, you were just preparing for all different eventualities, so that if you were faced with something that, you know, we've all, we've all say the night before a big game or even the morning, we're all a bit pretty edgy, and and uh, you can be annoying your parents if you're still living at home or or or, or the missus. Anything at all could frustrate you, like you know, like like get away from me because I'm in my zone and getting ready for the match and. In the same way, if something went wrong on the way to a game, whether it was a bus breaking down or, or something like that, uh, or a guy maybe turning up late, caught in traffic, that we've talked about it, we've we've come up with a, a plan A and B if something happened, so that there's no panic, so fellas aren't getting all flustered when they arrive to the ground. But um, it, it, it uh, I thought it was a good thing, and it was something yeah. we talked about certainly on the field, uh, starting with Pat Gilroy, was again if you can see the goal, don't don't panic. If you can see two goals, don't panic. Uh, we'll uh, try to uh, recover and get on. But that's all it was, you know. But uh, that's what I, I, Aaron, I was telling Willie off, off air. We were coming out of Park Esler and, and, um, and down. And um, it's obviously a brutal ground to get out of uh, with the traffic. 
only one road in, one 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 road out, and and we were all looking for a few cans and a few beers, and I think maybe the Shamrocks is the name of the the, the local club that's there, the clubhouse. We're trying to see can we find anyone. Is it called the Shamrocks? I'm just trying to think there. Nuri yeah, Nuri Shamrocks. Yeah. To see see could we get someone to open it? It's going to get a few points because we're about an hour and a half. Uh, waiting around to get down, get down the road, but but that was the only what if that probably wasn't catered for. But uh, <laughs> you didn't necessarily want you drinking either, you know. So, yeah. That wouldn't be a Jim Gavin what no, if. Did no. you ever do a list of what ifs, Aaron? Is that ever something you would have done in Armagh? Uh, we haven't, no. Uh, and and we, I've, I've explained experienced plenty of issues uh, on the way to games. We had a. Uh, all Ireland club final in 07 our bus broke down uh, heading out to the Grand Hotel in Malahide um, so that was a bit of a fiasco uh, and there was another one we were going to the Ulster under 21 final in 04 and we were driving down the motorway outside Belfast and there was a lump of iron on the middle of the road and as the bus drove over it the iron flipped up and blew a hole in the bus um, so we had to drive the whole way in with the uh, the back of the bus filled with smoke and all the players crammed up to the front of it. But um, we didn't have the what-ifs, but it didn't affect us on both occasions. We ended up, we won the Ulster and we won the All-Ireland. So we were very much in the zone. Who needs the what-ifs? I, That's what I, the what I actually ifs, got yeah. thrown off the bus on the way to a Leinster under-21 yeah. uh, final in 1998. The bus driver was a really highly strung fella. Yeah. And I used to be able to get really under his skin and yeah. I was pissing him off out. <laughs> out onto the side of the road from Port Leach to Tullamore with my gear bag. Yeah. And the county secretary picked me up and brought yeah. me to the, <laughs> the, good old, the good old days. Uh, but uh, last one here, lads, is that the All-Ireland semi-finals and All-Ireland final are going to be on Spanish TV. So I thought this was an, am- an amazing thing. So Spanish broadcaster TVG is the second biggest broadcaster in all of Spain and they're going to show the All-Ireland football semi-finals and the final. And it's going to be broadcast to 100,000 people in the region in their native tongue. Now, I thought that was Spanish, but I think Galicia has their own their own uh, kind of Dialect, you know, Catalan or, or Basque yeah. kind of region. So, like, I mean... I just thought this was fantastic. This has never happened before. Like, I mean, a, a non-English speaking country um, going to broadcast Gaelic games in their in their native language. Yeah, and 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 uh, chatting to you off air, Woolly and uh, Aaron. I, I I did took a group of fourth-year TY students to do the Camino de Santiago, and we we cycled along that route to um, uh, Compostela, which is the the the, the capital of uh, Galicia. And up and down mountains, just a beautiful part of the world. And coming into a couple of villages, and I was hearing hearing this diddly eye music, and saying that's gas. That sounds like Irish music in the middle of um, kind of Spanish mountains. And went up and got talking to a few locals. But um, long story short, our, our genetically speaking, our closest relatives uh, uh, are from Galicia. And that when you look at the Irish people on the west coast of Ireland and the Gaeltacht areas in particular particular they're more closely related to the people of Galicia today genetically speaking than they would be uh, with people from from uh, from the east coast of Ireland which tells you how strong the toys are and even looking at some of the people they're very very similar to us and the music and anyone listening or even yourselves google Galician traditional music and just listen to it and be so impressed by how similar this is to Irish music yeah it's absolutely incredible so obviously there's uh there's, there's, there's that Celtic connection there in the in, in, in northern and northwestern Spain, which is obviously uh, is growing. But that's fantastic that they're actually looking to uh, to view it or to, to to air the semi-final and finals. Yeah, the, I think the connections from obviously the Spanish Armada. It was fifteen eighty eight where the yeah. ships uh, crashed in yeah. a storm on yeah. the west coast. 
and uh, obviously that's where the genetic connection you know comes from but like I mean it's incredible that there is that connection because there's 10 Gaelic football teams there Aaron and they're established there and 99% this is Damien Lawler in the RT on the RT website had this 99% of those teams are filled with natives I wasn't really aware of this like I think this is huge it's huge that it's on Spanish TV like I mean I don't know I don't think this should be underestimated no, it's it's unbelievable to hear that, and, and even those percentages. Uh, like, to be fair, with with social media and that these days, a lot of the competitions that are going on in over in England or across Europe or wherever it is uh, down in Australia, um, you do get to see and hear names, or you see the jerseys and that there for for uh, for the different clubs all across the world. But I've never heard that publicised. You know that there was that amount of teams in the Spanish region and and the amount of natives um, that were there. Really, your natives you might hear is who's playing in London or who's playing in New York. But mm-hmm. to hear that we have so many people uh, in that region of Spain that, that enjoy Gaelic games is brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's just as well broadening the appeal of, of of our games just to a wider audience. So definitely, it's something to be encouraged. Yeah, I was getting really excited about the Spanish because my Spanish is improving. Like Itzy's obviously Spanish, and the children are are speaking it. I was thinking I was going to become the new Irish Gilan Balligay and be the Irish. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you could be the Irish for the Galician region. I'll yeah. be the Gilan Balligay. Like, but it's not. I don't know. I don't know the dialect they're speaking. So do, I'm gone. Do you want to talk to your producers and we can do the next show <laughs> over in Galicia? Oh, a live show from. Gilles- my mind is going completely <laughs> crazy and the restrictions will be definitely lifted in yeah, Spain yeah. before we're all vaccinated before now yeah, yeah, yeah listen that's there we go yeah. we're going on the road in Galicia <laughs> right we'll leave it there lads we'll come back we're going to talk with Paddy McBrearty next So we have to start the interview with Paddy McBrearty by wishing you happy birthday uh, Paddy Jeez, this is a like I mean what a coincidence I have you bang Whack bang on your 28th birthday. I know, I know. Um, thanks for that, Willie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the years have flown in, so they have. Um, yeah, so I, I, was a, I was a young fella, joined the squad at 17, and I'm 28 now, and uh, it's literally gone by in a flash. That's the thing, I can't believe you're 28. Nobody listening will be able to believe you're 28. You've been around so long. Like, how, What age do you feel mentally and physically? Mentally, I still feel sharp enough physically, 38 to be honest um, <laughs> some days after championship games there it can be um, it can be a struggle to get out of bed um, but listen I'm, I'm fit to train the, the, the Tuesday after championship games um, I'm still doing alright so when, yeah, yeah I feel feel good enough at the minute when, when did you notice the, the, the kind of extra soreness the day after a championship match um, maybe in the last definitely more this year to be honest um, I don't know if it was the good weather um, that we've got for most of our games but Definitely, um, after both the league games and championship games, um, the body, the, you could definitely tell a difference in the body. So um, for the first eight or nine years, I got away with it. Um, I was I was the lad always out training, but now sometimes um, I might be the lad taking the, taking the Tuesdays off. Yeah, it's the hard ground, I suppose, hitting that with the summer we've had. Yeah, exactly. Um, a bit of a problem with my groin, and I think a lot of, a lot of lads um, around the country probably have the same problem, even, even our own club lads. Um, or experiencing that as well, whatever it is with the with the twisting and turning and the hard ground there, it definitely seems to be having an effect on on the groins, you know. Yeah, yeah. Different. Do you think maybe in a weird way you did your cruciate in uh, two years ago? Because like you I mean you've been on the go since you were seventeen, and I mean playing 
very, very top level, you know, long seasons. Like in a weird way, did that give you an extra bit of freshness now? Because you're still like, like I'm saying, how do you feel like you're still playing as well as you ever did? Yeah, listen, um, definitely the, cruci- the cruciate injury, listen, it is a, a 9 to 10, uh, 12 month um, comeback period. And you can use that time then to, to work on other things. Um, it gives you probably a, a rest physically, but mentally, you know, you're always thinking about uh, championship the following year and if you'll be able to get back for that. But um, from when I did my cruciate, you know, we I think we had... From when I got my op, you know, um, which was the August in 2018, we had for Mana, I think, in the preliminary round in May 2019, and that was always the um, that was always the aim, and we we pushed it hard. So coming back from that probably was a big push, both mentally and physically. But we got there, but no real ill effects from that, to be honest. Yeah, like I mean, we mentioned you around since 2011. Talk to us a bit about that day in 2011. You obviously played a full minor match. Um, you were. Pulled off the field then afterwards, you were force-fed a plate of pasta, apparently, and then you were brought on for the seniors the same day. Uh, I think that's, uh, that, that, that plate of pasta, Jesus, it's always <laughs> mentioned. Um, it's been mentioned a lot down through the years, but yeah, just played the minor game. Uh, Jim had told me um, on the Thursday night that I was going, going to be getting game time for the seniors after, so that was a bit of a head-scratcher because um, fairly... Like, a, like any young fellow would say, you know, I'm going to be playing the whole minor match, you know. Um, do you, you do know that. And he says, yeah, you know, I know, but I want to get I want to get some minutes into you. But, yeah, I just pulled off the minor game, which we actually lost tantrum that day. And um, the senior lads were just going out onto the field at that stage. And I just stayed around for 10 minutes after, um, eating, 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 getting some food into me. And then I uh, came on later on the, in, in, the, in the evening. So, yeah, it was a... That was a really good day. But like, I mean, like from a player welfare point of view, I don't like, I'm not criticising anyone, but it's not a good, it's not best practice to play a full game, kind of, you know, seize up a little bit, no matter what age you are, and then go play play again later on in a game where you're, I'm sure your heart was racing coming on for that one. It definitely wouldn't happen today, Willie, um, with sports science and yeah. load management, um, you know, but... But, uh, but Jim, Jim, yeah, Jim, think, Jim was a very modern manager back then. That's why I was kind of surprised he he would have uh, chanced it. Yeah, I don't know because yeah, it was a, I suppose it's an odd one. Um, if the minors did win, luckily the minors, well, not luckily, but you know, if the minors did win, we were going to be playing the same day as the seniors end. So I don't know what way that would have been managed. But um, I suppose Jim probably had an eye on the the cabin game, which which followed the Antrim game and probably thought I, he needed to get minutes into me yeah. for the championship experience at senior level. So I think I guess that was his, his thinking behind it. Yeah, just get your debut the, the debut nerves over you, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe. Come here, talks about Donegal. You're coming off two frustrating years, um, Paddy. I suppose the first two years under Declan Bonner, you won the Ulster. A little bit disappointed maybe not to get to an All-Earned semi-final. But like, you know, last year lost the Ulster final and this year didn't make it. You know, like this, this new knockout format hasn't exactly been good to you. No, very frustrating. Um, people have been tipping us to challenge for all Ireland and, and Dublin, but we just haven't been able to get there. And, you know, nobody knows that more than than the players themselves uh, within the group. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Donegal in the last number of years, and we haven't lived up to it, to be honest. Um, yeah, the first two years, we, we won back-to-back Ulster titles. Um, last year, then, against Cabin, um, lost out to the better team in the day. And... We had big hopes coming into this year. Um, we had a good enough league campaign, um, got to the semi-finals, 
and then played down in the preliminary round. Um, had a shaky enough game against Derry, a real championship battle against Derry, yeah. and then uh, against Tyrone there a number of weeks ago. Um, you know, it just things didn't work out in the day for us, but we don't have any excuses. You know, we can't keep saying that things didn't work out in the day for us. We need to uh, when you get over these big games, you know. Yeah, and like I mean, is is all the talk? Because there is a lot of talk about you because you're a very good team to watch and you were double Ulster champions. Like I mean, do you talk about blocking that out? Like, is that getting in on top of you? You know, wanting to be challengers for the big prize. Well, it was. We lost the big games in 2018 and 2019. We lost to Tyrone in 2018 in Baba Fay. Um, that was the first time we lost in Baba Fay in, since 2010, I believe. And then we lost to Mayo in 2019. And it was just an ethos that we're saying around the squad. You know, we need to we need to win the big games. You know, and um, you know, I think the Derry game this year that was a potential banana skin for us. You know, I think maybe a year or two before that we might have lost that game, but we actually came through it. And that um, that gave us good confidence then going into Tyrone game. But in Ulster, you know, there is a lot of tough games there. And Tyrone are one of the top teams in the country. So when you do look at it, you go out in the Ulster semi-final, but you do go out to a very good Tyrone team as well. But things just didn't work out for us that day in, in Brewster Park, you know. No, no and like in, in a weird way, it's like Donegal have unfinished business because, it's you know, you battled really hard with 14 men, your captain's gone. You know, you didn't come out of that game with people saying, oh, they lost a big game. It was more like, I, I thought you came out of that game with a bit of credit considering you stuck in there for so long. Yeah, we lost Michael after, what, 20, 25 minutes. Um, you know, when you when you lose your leader like that there and your captain. The heads could have went down easily, but I thought we we came back uh, well. I think we came back within a point at one stage, yeah. and um, you know we got the goal. Then Keelan got the goal, but they seemed to be able to go down the field and and, and tip over scores. You know, whereas we were working very hard to get scores up the other end with fourteen men. And the day that was in it with the well, I'm not using the excuses of the weather, but um, it, we were using we were exerting a lot of energy going up and down the field with fourteen men. You know, trying to trying to claw back a lead. And as I said, Tyrone have a lot of quality over the field, and they brought on. When they're bringing on the likes of Conor McKenna and Cahill McShane as well, um, you know, bringing on fresh legs like fresh legs like that, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a hard day for us. Yeah, it definitely. Come here. How, how do you feel football? Where do you feel football is at now? Jeez, I went through a few sticky um, years for a corner forward. Like, I mean, Jesus, you know, you're you're living off complete scraps. You're getting a lot more ball now. You know, it's back. It's it's coming back a little bit to where it. Well, you you kind of came straight into pretty defensive football. But say when you were underage, for example, are you are you enjoying it a lot more? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the enjoyment's always there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't enjoying it, to be honest. Um, as you say, there's probably a tough couple of years there for corner forwards. You know, you had, a, you had your defensive job to do probably first, um, which was probably traditionally, you know, you had to score your three or four points a game. But where football's at at the minute, yeah, there's been a couple of rule changes which are very well um, profiled and talked about throughout the media. Um, but, you know, football is in a, football's in a decent place, you know. Um, listen, you've, you have four very good teams now left in the All-Ireland and it's very hard to call to the two semi-finals. Yeah. Um, you know, so when you have two competitive semi-finals like that, um, you know, football's, football's in a decent place. Do you, do you feel you're getting a lot more kick passes now and like, you know, that double sweeper that would be there full-time maybe in 14-15, you know, that's not always there now. Maybe there might be any and someone's, run, you know, Darren Hughes or someone is trying to get back. You know, do you, do you see more opportunities to make a lot more runs now? It's, it's, it's the defensive football teams have, teams teams working on training. They, they work on it at training with 15 
14 men behind the ball and they're they're used to it now when they come up to it in a game now they're 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 well able to break it down you look at dublin there you know they're what they're they're well able to break down 14 15 men behind the ball whereas you know it was new when we brought it when we started in 11 and 12 it was new it was yeah. new to teams uh, and they were um kicking kicking ball down our throat really um whereas now teams are more more toward more thinking towards running the ball getting lads in the loop and getting high percentage uh, high percentage shots, you know. Yeah, so when did you bring this loop? Yourself and Dean Rock, we always say on the show here, the best at the loop. Yeah, like, I mean, the point against Derry was just pure Paddy McBrearty. Like, I mean, when did you start developing this? When I lost a yard or two of pace there <laughs> three years ago. Right, was it? But- uh, no, it was just, it just started off in training. Hey, um, Jamie, Jamie does it a lot too. Jamie Brennan does a lot with Donegal too. Does he? Um, it's, it is hard to... Yeah, he does. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie's actually really good at it. Um, no, it's just something. Just we just saw a pattern working. You know, get get lads into your uh, different positions, and um, you know, the ball carry then actually is kind of a shield to yeah between your man and or the mar- man marker and the man receiving the ball. So it's been effective. You know, teams teams can shut it down too. Um, Derry were really good against against us this year. They had a really well set up. But um, yeah, team it probably is a wee bit predictable at times, but. Uh, it's about getting the getting the mixture right. So, the, so what's the mixture for young people, young footballers listening? What's the mixture? Is is the timing of it and the the player that gives you the pass trying to block your man? Is that the, is that the secret? I don't want to give away too much because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this could be taken up in video analysis sessions again. But yeah, the, the ball carrier is the ball carrier is important to the whole thing. He can uh, he can get in the way of 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 you receiving the ball and the, the the man marking you know and he can kind of ask act as a kind of a shield which would be termed a term in basketball um where you can see in basketball where a three-point shooter might get free because a man is, is uh shielding shielding his marker so yeah so it's, it's about about not going too early out into that position um delaying it a wee bit and uh yeah the ball carrier is probably very very important in the whole thing you're almost acting like you're out of the play altogether you're disinterested in it until that that second arrives. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. Um, you've been studying well. <laughs> um, you've been studying. Um, no, just listen. You just have to. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bond between the players you're training with and everything. Like you, you might look disinterested, but you know, you know that the lad's going to be soloing over to you. You know, and if the ball's over the far side of the field, you know there's a good enough probability that's going to come over to you at some stage. So. Um, yeah, you might look disinterested, but in the back of your mind, you know that it's it's coming to you now in the next 10, 15 seconds, you know. Yeah. What did Rory Gallagher say to you after the match, after that point? Because like he knows you very, very well. No, he, just, he didn't say anything. He just said, um, best luck, well done. And shook my hand. There was nothing, nothing, nothing said, to be honest. I haven't been chatting to him since. Right. Um, so, yeah, whenever I do meet him, you know, I suppose there'll be a wee, 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 wee smile, you know. But um, no, nah, listen. What happened out? What happens out there stays out there. You know, when 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 all said and done. Ah, yeah, yeah, I know that. Like, I mean, but Chrissy McKay did a good job on you that day. Like, I know Derry did drop a lot of players back behind the ball, but did you notice maybe Rory have? You know what Chrissy was doing? Having, geez, Rory has told him this. Do you know a bit of inside information, for example? Yeah, Rory. Rory has been. I first came across Rory in my own club when I was fifteen, sixteen. So he knows me really, really well, and. Um, Suppose he was able to tell Chrissy a lot of things, but Chrissy McKay's born probably the one of the best man markers in the country. Yeah, um, very very underrated, but very highly rated amongst amongst players. So, um, yeah, that last score was literally the 
only a yard or two I got the whole game and thankfully it went over, you know. Yeah, what's that feeling like when you know it's the last kick of the game? Well, I thought it was the last kick of the game. Uh, someone had shouted from the stand, it's, it's the last play. And so Owen had the ball and I said, you know, if I get it, if I get a half yard of space, as long as I kick it dead, you know, it'll go into extra time. But uh, the ref played it on then. So all you're thinking about then is getting back into your defensive shape. So you can't, you can't, you, I didn't have much time to think about it. But, um, you know, thankfully our, our defense stood up well in the, in the next 30 seconds or so and didn't give them an opportunity to to, to equalise yeah one thing I noticed from that game was like McCaig like he did a like he didn't care about anything else in that game only man marking you and you see it a lot with Ryan McHugh as well where you're you're kind of off the ball you're trying to catch up with the play and your marker's turning facing you and he's kind of pushing you in the chest you know not really allowing you get back up there what are you meant to do in that situation like how do you have the patience for that or like I mean are you shouting to a linesman because it's clearly illegal what they're doing like but you see lots of players during games kind of doing it facing the player and not allowing them, you know, catch up on the play. Well, I know what you mean, yeah. But listen, I just think you need to still make your runs. Um, if you just stand there and complain about it, um, you know, you're that's that you're doing the you're doing the man marker a favor in that sense. Right. Um, but if you just still make your hard runs, the the linesman or, or referees going to see it at some stage, you know. And when they're booked, then you know they have to take your hands off you. Um, so, yeah, I think Chrissy actually got a yellow card. Um, maybe 10 minutes to go maybe if he didn't have it I wouldn't have got the yard or two I needed in the last um, right in that last phase of play so um, yeah just keep making I think it's important you just keep making those hard runs trying to get away from your man and hopefully a, you know a linesman or referee can, can can see it yeah at some point what do you make of the mark? it's good <laughs> it's um it's probably frustrating for a lot of play, uh, a lot of people watching GA. They kind of can't understand it. Um, I don't know. I kind of a. I didn't want to see it coming into the start, obviously, because I didn't want the game to turn into like Aussie rules. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple of games this year where the the mark turned out very well for us. I think we got the equalising score in the Monaghan game this year from a mark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is it is it is it here? Is it is it something I want to see stay? I don't think it is. Um, I think you know if uh, our game is a great game, if it's just let if it's just let played uh, the way it normally is, you know, from yeah. what I remember as a, as a kid, you know, it's changed a lot since I even started playing. Um, the amount of rules that have come in um, since 2011. So, yeah, I think. Um, I don't know if they'll stay, to be honest, will they? No. Well, look, I mean, obviously, as from a corner forward, you're going to like it. Like, I mean, you were the one that got that equalising point. You know, like, why wouldn't a corner forward like it? It's from a from a, a point of view of people watching. You know, it's those kind of easy marks into your belly, you know, inside the 45. They're not, it, it, it probably does slow the game down, whereas you take on your man, it would be a bit more exciting. Now you just stop. That's right. But I think there's, um, we played down this year in the championship and the ball was kicked in. And I caught it and I put up my hand and the ref blew blew me for a mark. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't know when the referee didn't know if the ball was out to the 45 and it had traveled the required distance, you know. Yeah. And I think there's a bit of a mix up there. If I put up my hand and I, I the ball was thrown up as a result of that, you know. Um, so I think there's the refs are still a wee bit confused about it. The players are still a wee bit confused. Do they stop? Do they have to stop? Do they keep going? You know, if they're going to be brought back for overcarrying, um, yeah, it can work out to the forwards' uh, advantage. But 
you know, I don't think as a whole the players want to see it stay, to be honest. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody does. I, I'm yet to see somebody who, who likes it, maybe other than yourself when you win one. Come here, one other thing I want to ask yeah. is, what's the story with pulling up your shorts on your left leg when you're taking a free? Is this a Cristiano Ronaldo inspiration? <laughs> No, I saw you. T- I saw you tweeting about there. One of the lads sent it to me. In a, it must be three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, it's a complete habit. I walk around the house like that when I'm wearing shorts around the house, and it's it's. Um, I'm asked by my mother, "What's this about?" And um, I don't know. I started when I was 16, so there's nothing to it, Willie. It's not trying to impersonate Ronaldo or anything like that. There, don't worry. It's not. A, you you could get yourself a specially designed pair of shorts, just a little, little bit shorter, like you know, a short shorts. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. It's you say only as a fortune and material. <laughs> Come here, right before I let you go. What are you doing now? When's this county final being played? Or like, I mean, you've, you're you're a week away from a county final, and now you're a year later. Is it been? I saw talk is going to be played before or after this year's championship. So the 2020 Donegal County Final is on uh, Saturday week, right? Um, at eight o'clock in Babafe. So we're playing Neath Connell. Yeah. Um, nearly, nearly a year on t- to the day, I'd say. Uh, I think we played Gidor in the semi-final in August 2020, and now it's we're in August 2021, and um, we've we're, we're playing that we're finally playing the final. Um, it was frustrating at the time; it was called off. Um, we'd only three days to go until yeah. we played Neath Connell, but um, listen, we're here again. It wasn't too bad for the county players because we were playing throughout the year and and training with the county team. But um, for club players, you know, we, it must have been terrible to just, you know, keep training, try and keep up a bit of fitness, keep doing your your bit of gym work, you know, to to um, to get prepared for this now. So it just comes down to sixty minutes now, you know, and, and we're waiting a whole year for it. So yeah, it's finally being played next um, Saturday week, and then the the twenty twenty one championship starting maybe four weeks after. So oh, four weeks. Ah, well, that's a good break then after yeah. that. Well. And what kind of shape were the club boys in when you went back? Like, I mean, I know the county players are dedicated through lockdowns and everything. How how are the cl- what kind of shape are the are the the Kilcar boys in? No, very very good. In fairness, we have a good group of lads there now. They do keep themselves in good shape, and I suppose anyone would say that. But our lads are very good now. They they kept tipping away and. Um, some days you'd be driving around, driving around the place, and uh, you'd see you'd see one of them or two of them down in the football field doing runs on themselves, you know. So uh, they've kept themselves in very decent shape now, and um, likewise, likewise, probably with the Neve Connell lads. So it's going to come down now to to, to Saturday week and, and sixty minutes, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, come here, best to look in it. I've taken up enough of your time on your birthday, uh, Paddy. So we'll let you go. Any plans for tonight? No plans tonight, Willie. No plans tonight. Training tonight, actually. We're training tonight, so. Um, there better be a cake down there for me. <laughs> Paddy, <Good> free, good <laughs> <and> free. <laughs> no icing. <laughs> no, no icing, no icing. Paddy, thanks very much. We'll talk to you again. Willie, thanks a lot. Great stuff from Paddy there. Right, that's it for today's show. We will be back. There's hurling weekend, obviously this weekend. So we'll be back next Thursday, and we we'll preview the All Ireland semi-finals then. So see you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole while. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>